Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. I'd like you to go to the Gospel of John tonight. Gospel of John, chapter 12. And Cody, just stay here for just a few moments longer. As you're preparing your Bibles tonight, John chapter 12. I think I'm going to preach my way to this text this evening. trying to really tailor this message and see how, how the Lord desires to take me. My, my wife and I, we do, a, we do a class every Friday, every Friday to high school students on revival history and revival lifestyle and revival legacy. And this past week, our students had time where they gave reports on modern-day revivalists. And our daughter, Victoria, gave a beautiful just tribute to Carlos Endicondia from the Argentina Revival. And she told a story that I had told many times, many, many years ago, but hadn't really thought of it many years until... Our daughter started speaking. My wife and I just grabbed each other's hands and started smiling. Carlos Endicondia was a really, he was a really blessed, incredible entrepreneur, businessman, marketplace guy in the early 80s. And he got saved in 1979. And about 1982, he was seeking the Lord for something greater in his life. And he had a real desire to see healing verse 4 through ministry had a deep passion burning desire to be used by God in the realms of healing there in Argentina the um, the hospitals were guarded they were guarded with guns and families were not even allowed into the hospitals and so when people when the sick were brought in they were taken in and only the doctors and the nurses could be in there taking care of them and Carlos had a burning desire in his heart to get into the hospital and begin to pray for the sick. So he asked God, he asked God, he said, Lord, I pray that you would make me invisible. This is true. He said, God, I, I ask that you would make me invisible that I could walk through the guards and get into the hospital and begin to pray for the sick and see them healed. Now, I don't know what that does for you. Hopefully that really lights your faith up. But Jesus would often say things like this, be it unto you according to your faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. Carlos said to Cody, he said, God, I ask you to make me invisible so I can pass through the guards and begin to pray for the sick. That's exactly what the Lord did. Carlos tells the story of how he walked through the guards and into the hospital. He walked into a room that had 40, about 40 people in one room. All these sick in different beds, about 40 people. He went in and he began to ask them if he could pray with them and no one wanted him to pray. No one. He went to the next one. He went to the next one. He went to the next one. He went to the very last person. It was a little girl about 10 years of age and she was paralyzed from the neck down. 
And Carlos sat down and he began to talk to her. She was so lonely. She was so brokenhearted. She, had, she was missing her family terrible. She felt so alone laying in that room with all of those strangers in the midst of sickness. And he said, let me tell you who Jesus is. And so he told her about Jesus. He told her the gospel. And he led the little girl to Jesus. She received the Lord into her heart. And he said, well, I've got an instruction for you. The next thing I want you to do is get up and go. And that little paralyzed girl got up out of that bed and ran out of the hospital. True story. That's a way to birth a ministry. <laughs> From the early 80s until now, the Argentina revival is still going. It's still going. You may want to look up Carlos Endicone. He's got a powerful book out there. It's called Listen to Me, Satan. It'll change your way of thinking. It'll stretch you a little bit. You can find Carlos in stadiums in Argentina, praying over tens of thousands of people and then dragging thousands of people that are manifesting demons into what they call the demon tent. And you'll see thousands and thousands of people being delivered from demonic spirits. Powerful. Powerful. <laughs> I was looking back at some revival notes that I've got at the, of the Heberdeen's revival. 1949 of Duncan Campbell in the Scotland Islands called the Heberdeen's. Duncan Campbell said that he was asked one time about revival. He said, you know, I'm asked about revival a lot. He said, but really, revival is not a series of meetings for like six to eight weeks. And there's just, just a great adrenaline and there's, there's a great amount of people. He said, truly, revival is when the glory of God rests on a region or a city. And there's a, a conscious awareness of God's presence to where they begin to encounter him on a personal level. During the Hebrides revival, it is documented that 75% of the thousands of souls that were saved in Scotland and throughout all the islands, 75% of them got saved before they ever even got to a meeting. They would ask people, where did you encounter the Lord? They would say, in my home, out on the beach, out for a walk, out in the forest. They were encountering God everywhere. Why do I do this? I purposely, deliberately do something like this. It's because when we pray and when we entertain the heart of God in such a way, what we're praying for is not about how many butts we can get in the seats, but it's about how many people we can get thick in the glory to go out tangibly and move in the heart of the Father and see the glory released through us. Most of the church will continue until Jesus comes to rend the heavens, and he already has. Don't pray for him to open the heavens forever. They'll sing the songs he already has. What has to open is you and I. The glory comes through you and I. That's what has to open. <laughs> Everybody smile at me. 
tired? You want to stay up here a little bit longer? Good. You can bounce. You can stay if you want. A friend of mine, he coined this term years ago. This is a dear friend of mine. He stepped into heaven about three weeks ago. Just a beautiful friend. I can't believe he's already gone. He coined this phrase called the throne zone. Maybe just write it down tonight. The throne zone. He talked about the activity of heaven a lot. He talked about the glory of the Lord. What is happening in heavenly realms around the throne. When I got into my office today, I just went through the old prophets who had encounters with God before the throne. I begin to read just again about Ezekiel experiencing the thunders and the lightnings of God and the, the, the living creatures and the saints of God before the throne and the rainbow and the, the, the magnificent colors of the throne of God and the fires of God. God is, he's into fire. <laughs> he's just into fire. Everything about God is just fire, fire. But I say that tonight because what we are after is obtainable when we say, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. What we're after is truly about accessing the throne of God in such a way where he inhabits us. And we have to let our minds be renewed to this. We have to change our way of thinking or we will forever be moving in a quagmire of old thinking and old paradigms when we just think about revival or an outpouring of the Spirit. What we desire is to host the manifest presence in such a special way that what is going on around the throne in heaven begins to go on around the throne here. And that there's outbreaks and thunderings and lightnings of God. Thunderings and lightnings and power breaking out. Fire breaking out. Because in that is his healing virtue. In the river that comes and gushes forth out of the throne, Ezekiel 47, he said, everywhere that river goes, and remember from the threshold of the doors, it started ankle deep, then it went knee deep, then it went waist deep, then it went shoulder deep, and then it was waters to swim in. But at the threshold of the doors, it was ankle deep, and it went out into the nations. In verse 9, he says that everywhere the river goes, it brings forth life. Everything the river touches, it will live. And everything the river touches shall be healed. Now, there is a corporate level of this kind of glory that God is courting us into as friends and as brothers and as sisters. He is courting us into something very unique and special for this region. And that is why we are not allowed to do what everybody else does. We're not allowed to be critical of what everybody else does. But we are not allowed to just blend into what everyone gets to do. We have a special assignment here. 
And that is to access the throne of God so that if we create such maybe a throne zone, so to speak, that there will be a visible display of realms of glory, a visible display. I, I have a friend that can tell you about a night that two massive angels walked into their church and about 15 to 17 men just sat there and all of them, they, they were twice the size of these ceilings. And they just came walking in. I'm talking about realms of God. What would happen tonight while Brian's just trying to convey the heart of God? That, that two massive angels just, just showed up and walked. I'm going to tell you something. It would energize this meeting. It would take this meeting to another dimension. I'm talking about, I'm talking about heavenly realities. I'm not, I'm not talking about adrenaline. I'm not talking about hype. I'm talking about heavenly spiritual dimensions. Let me give us a spiritual reality tonight. Jesus said, if I be lifted up in John 12, I will draw all men unto me. Hear this tonight with your spirit. Let your spirit absorb this. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. See, the church has been so focused with drawing rather than lifting. I'm going to say that again. We have been obsessed with drawing rather than lifting. Now this is more than a nice preaching metaphor. This is a spiritual reality. Every church, I mean, is finding a creative way. We, we, we could get our logo on bottled waters and just pass them out downtown. We've been focused, what, on drawing, on drawing, on drawing. Yet, Jesus said, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If we let our minds get renewed to our focus and our function of creating a place together where the glory of God begins to sit in here very, very heavy and sit upon us. When I say heavy, that's the right word. The word glory is the word kabod, and it means weighty or heavy presence of God. When the glory gets really thick and tangible, it gets heavy. I've been stuck to the ground in the glory. I'm not exaggerating. I've been literally stuck to the ground in the glory where I could not get up off the ground, where I could not move. I've been stuck to a chair in the glory of the Lord. I've been, I've been stuck in a place where I couldn't even talk because of the glory. I was asked to get up in a meeting one time and share. It was a large meeting, and, and I, could, I couldn't even talk. And all I could get out of my mouth was river. That's all I could say. River. My wife was there. She could tell you. That's all I could say. River. And boy, was the river of God truly there. I've got a few minutes here, and I want to, I want to keep developing this. You can look at Psalm 132 this week, and I encourage you to do it. Psalm 132, and those of you that, that have been with me for years, you, you know 
what a strategic obsession Psalm 132 is because David got a hold of something that was on the very heart of God. I'll take you through just a touch of where we're going. You don't have to read the whole psalm now. I'm just going to take a smidgen of it tonight and just kind of paint with it a little bit on the canvas. God woos our heart in such a way in friendship with Him that what He begins to... Well, he's, he's not, He doesn't begin to dream. He's, he's dreaming. But He woos us into His dreaming nature and we discover things and we call it revelation. But it's only revelation to us. It's never been new to God. It's new to us. We call it revelation. But it's always been alive with vibrant stirring in the mind and the heart of God because He's creator. He, he's obsessed with creating and painting and new colors and new adventures and new designs. And we're, it's, in all of eternity, we're going to be blown away by the creative brilliance of our God. But what happens is in friendship with God, we come into a courtship as friends of God and if we care about his heart in such a way, he'll start sharing his obsessions with us. And what happened to David, David was called a man after God's own heart. I believe the reason that he was called a man after God's own heart is because he got a hold of what was a divine thought or a divine obsession in the heart and mind of God. When you and I Get pregnant with a seed from God, a dream from God, a vision from God. When your life is overtaken with a divine obsession, it ruins you for anything else. You don't have the luxury of doing what you used to do and what everybody else is getting to do. You get obsessed with the obsessions of God and you begin to go on this magnificent, unending journey with God. And David had this experience and what he said was, he said, God, you have desired Zion for yourself. You have desired Zion. And if you know a little bit of, of, of church, I almost said church history, but Old Testament history. You need to know this fact that when the Ark of the Covenant passed through the Jordan, who was in command? Moses had died and Joshua was in command. Remember this? And he took them through the Jordan and they made it all the way to a city in the Canaan land called Shiloh. And, this, and in that city, the Ark of the Covenant would be resting in the old tabernacle of David in a city called Shiloh. For 369 years. Why 369? I don't know. I just know the Bible says this. And that ark rested there in the city of Shiloh. And actually, if you ever just go on YouTube, actually go to Israel with me in October and you will stand there where the ark rested for 306. You will stand on that field. And you will see it surrounded by mountains where all of Israel would come up into Shiloh 
and they would look upon the tabernacle as Moses and the or Joshua, I get my Bible right, Joshua and the priest ministered unto the Lord. And that's where Hannah came up. You remember Hannah would come up every year begging God, begging God, God, give me seed, give me a son, give me a child. I will lend him to you all the days of his life. She came up to a place called Shiloh. You tracking with me? But now we're in Psalm 132, and what happened with David was, David said that God desired and was jealous for Shiloh that he would establish it forever for his glory. God was doing something new. He wasn't saying, let's go get the ark. Remember, the, the, the ark was lost under Saul. But he's, he wasn't saying, go get the ark and let's go back to Shiloh. See, David got obsessed with a, revel a fresh revelation of what God wanted to do new. It would never go back to Shiloh. Now it was time for the glory to ascend to a place called Zion. Are you tracking me? I'm just painting in prophetic pictures so that we can do this tonight. And David vowed himself. He vowed his life to get the ark and then not give any sleep to his eyelids. And not allow himself to rest. What does that mean? That means he didn't give himself the luxuries of life that everybody else got to do. He didn't have the luxury to just do what everybody else did. He had to do what his divine obsession was. Are you with me? He was set apart with a holy calling from God. To go and recapture the presence. And get it to Zion. We can talk about this all night. It's incredible. What if we focused? What if we what if we fine-tuned ourselves and we let ourselves get disengaged and unattached from a bunch of religious stuff that hasn't gone very far? And we let God renew our minds to an obsession of a prayer that is this, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I go back to what I call the throne zone. <laughs> See, I could tell a lot of stories tonight. And my wife is here tonight. She would tell you that Brian didn't embellish one time. I can tell you stories that are magnificent of the glory. But I know this. There is a place that me nor you, we've never even considered or imagined how grand the vision of God releasing His glory in a city to overtake a city, to overtake a region. We haven't let ourselves go there. God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we've ever asked or dreamed or imagined. He's been stretching us out over time, hasn't he? He's been taking us, and I've often said God will take us as far as he can take us. Have you learned that about yourself? I have. I, I can only go as far as I can go. And I've learned that about me over and over. I can only go as far as I can go. And then God in his long suffering and his patience says, yeah, I 
I know, and then and then he gets you on the potter's wheel again. He starts pouring more water over you, more water, and he gets you soft, and he gets you soft. He starts working and working and working and working and working and working and working. Yeah, and then I'm going to do this now. Now I'm going to do this, and that, that's what he does with all of our lives. He'll take you as far as you can go. What he wants to do is he wants to erase the limitations. Erase the limitations for where we believe the glory could be here. I remember the days of, of, of the Brownsville revival. I remember how the glory would hang in Brownsville like you could just, like a thick curtain, like you could just put your hands up to it and just grab a hold of the glory. I've told some of you stories about a friend of mine who just put his arms up into the glory and said, God, touch me. And an angel took hold of his arm and he was slain in the spirit and hung in front of everybody in the room. Oh, that'll change the atmosphere. I'm talking about heavenly realities. Yeah. Heavenly realities. When we talk about the throne of God, lightnings and thunderings of God, angels of God, wonderment of God, what I'm dreaming about, what I want all of us to dream about, what I want our mind, my mind to be renewed to, is that if we affectionately let ourselves get obsessed about the glory of the heart and face of God, we can host God in such a way that every person that comes in is healed. And no one's prayed for them. They just come into the glory and in worship and they walk out of here healed. They walk out of wheelchairs and they're healed. They, they, they walk in here bound by addictions, afflictions, torments. Demonic spirits. But in the presence of God. In the very presence, the very essence of God emanating. Because I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how good my message and my sermon is. I'm, I'm only so good. I'm not, in, I'm not in love with myself. I'm not in love with the sound of my, my own voice. I, I can only preach so good. It's not based on that. You understand? Yes. It's not based on that. What we're after is getting God's divine obsession of heaven in the earth. We're called to host His face and host His heart here so that heaven can be released. And in a dimension, oh God, let it be so. Let it be so. That it's not held or contained in walls. But we're walking down the main street of Sarasota and groups and packs of people are getting hit under the glory. They're just getting hit under the glory. And they're like, like what we've read about of old, of the Azusa Street Revival, of the Hebrides Revival in Scotland, where masses of people would fall to the ground and quake and shake and begin to cry out to God. There was no message being preached. But there was a glory being released. There was a glory being released into the streets and people were encountering God everywhere. That's why I say to you, this meeting never ends. We're going we're gonna to set back up. We're going to turn out the lights, but our meeting never ends. You understand? We are ever burning in the glory. You and I were created forever burning in the presence of God, of entertaining the holiness of God. It's who we are. It's who we are. And I'm telling you,
you right now, we are called to become much more undignified than this. We are to break into realms that people are like, my God, that's just that spooky. Where are those people going? People thought Evan Roberts, a young man in Wales, and they thought he was spooky. He was being caught up with God. He was communing with God. And God told him in three months, 100,000 people is going to be swept into the kingdom in Wales. We got a prophecy. We got a prophecy in here. Believe the word of the Lord and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. First Chronicles 20, 20. We got a prophecy in here that said the day's going to come where it's going to be like the nets are breaking. The harvest is, the harvest is going to be so massive. The nets are going to be breaking. And you're going to have to signal the partners to come because of the souls. I believe that word. I believe that word. My wife and I, my wife and I believe that word. We are partnering. We are standing. We are living in that word. And you believe it. We are believing this together. Will it happen because we're good enough? No. It's because we're obsessed enough. My God. Go ahead and tweet it. <laughs> it's because we're obsessed enough. I want to be a heavenly man. I'm telling you, I want to be a heavenly company. I want to be a heavenly company. I want to be a people where heavenly activity is bursting loose. Where people are getting the directions that they need in their life because they come into this kind of company. They get directions. They get inspiration. They get led. They get off of their detours and get right into the path of righteousness, into the path of life. Their crooked roads are made straight. Their mountains are leveled. Their valleys are lifted. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about Isaiah 40. I'm talking about the kingdom of God coming. The crookedness in their life just gets straightened out. I, I don't know how it happens. It happens when you get into proximity of the glory of God. That's how it happens. All it took was for God to begin to maneuver my young life. Had no clue I was even being moved and maneuvered by God to get me into a pulsating realm of glory. And it took out all the crookedness in my life, made the path straight. It's the glory. It's the kiss of God. Is it frightening? It can be. But is it beautiful? Oh, yes, it is. It's the beauty and wonder. It is the splendor of God. It's what we're after here. And see, David pledged his life to it. I didn't know when I was praying on a map of Florida many years ago, God would capture my life with an obsession for this region. I didn't know it. To talk about it kind of puts me on tilt because I don't understand how God does these things. I just know that when he puts it in your heart, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. God wants to fill our hearts with the things that he is obsessed about, that he's dreaming about. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is hungry to take cities and nations. The Holy Spirit is hungry to take cities 
and nations. If Bill Johnson was here tonight, he would tell you about his divine obsession for Redding, California. And though he goes throughout all the world, he bleeds for Redding and he bleeds for that region because he sees it becoming a stronghold for the kingdom of God. That's my, that's my words, but I know what he believes for. And I know other key people who God is resting on and, and saying to them, you are responsible for the spiritual destiny of this region. I know companies of people that God is marking and saying, you are responsible for the spiritual destiny and well-being of a region. You and I have been written into this story. This is our story. We don't live in ready. Thank God. I've been there. It's, it's awesome. But Sarasota. Hallelujah. Yeah. Reading's great. But Sarasota's bad. But it's true. If Bill was here, he would talk about his obsession. See, how, how does it happen? It's Again, it's the friendship with God. To where God obsesses you with this. And he puts a seed in you that begins to grow and grow and grow. It's like, it's like Micah 4. When the prophet says, And the mountain of the Lord shall grow and grow and take over the mountains. It's, the mountain of the Lord grows in authority and power till it takes over all. It takes over you. A vision takes over your whole life. And it sets you apart. And it's hard to explain. And sometimes you can't. And people just kind of look at you. It's like you say, you know, does that make sense? Now, Dad, really. No, it feels like that at times. It feels like that. But God wants to overtake our lives and renew our minds to his thoughts. And I'm about there tonight. He said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So high. So high are my thoughts above. They're worlds away. Literally, that's what it means. So high above the worlds. So high above the cosmos are the thoughts and ways and mind of God. But you know what? Let's not stop there to know that, yeah, God's thoughts are worlds away from ours. That is our invitation to say, God, bring me into your world. Amen. That is good news. God. Bring me into your world. Bring me into heavenly places and let me see right. Because I need, I need to be taught how to see, Lord. You know, we need to pray that way. Lord, teach me to see. Take the blinders. Take the spiritual blinders off of my eyes. Help me to see reality. Your reality, Lord. Not what the world's obsessed about with the you know, the worlds and the nation being turned upside down. And my God, everything is going so fast in our nation. You can't even keep up with it. God, teach me your reality. Show me your heart. Show me how you feel about this specific thing. If you pray that way as a friend of God, you will be impacted and impregnated with a vision from God. If you pray that way. My friend Don Norai, who coined the phrase, the throne zone, which Tommy Tenney took and wrote myriads of books about, out of one message that Don had given. Don was in the car one day, and I'm going to close with this story. 
Don was in the car one day. He he, he was pressing into God. He had, he had been days and days and days seeking fasting. And he heard the Lord in the car, and he said, Don, the Lord said, no one cares about my heart. He said, no one cares about my heart. And he said, when he heard that, it burst open his heart and his feelings, and he wept. He wept for almost four straight days. And he kept saying, God, I love your heart. God, I love your heart. I love your heart. And on the fourth day, God said, I want you to go and find my prophets who love my heart and publish what I am pushing through their heart who love my word. I believe that word is very strategic for what we're talking about tonight. Loving the heart of God. Loving the heart of God. I've said this before, and I, I really am closing. I've said this before, and I know it kind of puts people on tilt because they're like, man, Brian, you're really, you're really cutting through hairs. But there is a difference between just loving the presence of God and loving the heart of God. There is a difference. How do we know this? All of us know this. Because people can be in the presence of God and lift their hands and shout and run and go out and live like, wow. And they loved the presence. They loved how they felt in the presence. They loved the worship. They, they... When you love the heart of God, the heart of God is what changes you. People can be married to another person and they just love that other person's presence. But until they begin to love that person's heart, that's when you're really in a covenant. That's when you're really in a covenant if you love that individual's heart. If you're in a covenant like that, you'll, you'll, you'll risk yourself and risk everything not to hurt that individual's heart. Do you understand? There's a difference. Who we want to be, who we want to be, is the covenant people who love the heart of God so much that we are changed and we are transformed. We host the glory. And we move into realms of glory in heaven that we've never dreamed of before. This should be happening. You know, I believe the Holy Spirit is bidding us a great invitation and wooing us. He's been doing it for quite a while in many of our lives. We've been making various changes. We've been making adjustments in our life. We've walked away from many things. We have been refined. We have been pruned. We have been retooled. We have been sharpened. Y'all have, haven't you? Yes, you have. Oh, yes, you have. God is calling us and beckoning us into something great. And this is what we need to let our heart get obsessed with. A greater glory than we've ever known. Resting here in this region. I 
so we could be famous. But if we lift him up, he will draw all men unto him. Now, I know that was speaking of the crucifixion. I know that. But the spirit of God still woos throughout the earth. He always lifts up Jesus. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. That's his ministry. He lifts and glorifies. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus at all times. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry. If we join and participate, cooperate with the Holy Spirit's ministry and lifting the Lord here and not lifting victory and not lifting us, lifting him, lifting him. He said, I'll draw all men unto me. I'll draw all men unto myself. That's Jesus' words. The day's coming. The day's coming where our nets are going to start breaking. The days are coming where people are going to flock in from everywhere. Why? 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 Because the bread of heaven himself sat down in our midst and the hungry came for the bread of heaven. He said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. When the bread of heaven sits in our midst, the hungry will come and feast on him. We're not good enough. Brian's not good enough. We'll never be good enough. And all these churches that think they're good enough. No, that, no. when the bread of heaven sits down and God is enthroned in worship, and we do this right, we keep him first. What, what we sing about tonight, when we said he is our first love, our first love, our first obsession, our first crush, our first love. You remember that? If we do that right, we can get it right. Amen? Amen? Yeah, I had to do all that in a hurry. It's 808. Let's do this. You know, I we haven't done this yet. And I feel like we need to do this. It's 808. Can we take 10 minutes before we even start moving a chair or doing anything? This whole auditorium. I think that I would like us to push back the front row, and I'd like us all to get in this altar, and Cody, you're going to lead us one more time unto the Lord. We're going to sing to the Lord, but I, I want to push this front row back, and we're going to get up in this altar, and we're going to worship together. Come on, everybody, just pack in, pack in this altar area, everybody. There you go. Yeah. Come on, everybody, just pack in here, all across the front. Cody, you can lead us. Get in here, guys. Don't come on. Trust, for we trust in our 
Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.